was the opening commercial of the Tuesday night CNN presidential debate, Democratic debate, aired over national television, of course, from Ronald Reagan Jr., the president, uh, the son of the former president of the United States. He knows his audience, and the commercial, I'm sure, cost several hundred thousand dollars. It was straight, strategically well-placed money by the Freedom From Religion Foundation, there's a growing audience of Americans that are secularists now. I saw on the news, on Fox News on Friday night, the largest growing religious group is the Nons, N-O-N-S. And we're growing by about a percentage a year for the last 15, almost 20 years, of those that have no religious affiliation in America whatsoever. The target audience was the Nons. It was interesting that the debate, there's a wide, I'm sure you all watch it, right? You all, you all watch the debate, right? There was not an American flag on the stage. It was uh, 12 Democratic presidential candidates, all full-blown socialism on display. Socialism and atheism goes hand in hand. They're sisters. In social, socialism, all men are evolved equally, but some are more equal than others. There is no God in socialism, just the rights of man. Equality, so-called. So much for the American motto, in God we trust. Ronald Reagan Jr., a devout atheist since he was 12 years old, he claims, supremely confident that God does not exist. With a mocking smirk on his face, that commercial ran several times before, the first time in 2014, he says, I'm not afraid of burning in hell. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 14, and we'll get to our text. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool, notice the Bible says, the fool have said. Not the fool believes in his heart, but the fool have said in his heart. You see, you tell a lie long enough, you start to believe it yourself. The worst person you can lie to is yourself. The first person you lie to is yourself. The fool has said in his heart. You see, the Bible tells us that, that it's clearly evident by the, the things that created that all men, that, that, that creation is God's, God's doing, that it's evident. But the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, I believe the Bible is totally inspired by the Lord, of course, and, and preserved and errant and so forth, and I thank God for our King James Bible. And uh, it's preserved and errant, and yet I thank God that every word is there for a purpose. But I want you to notice in the text, again, look at the verses very carefully, verse number one. The fool have said in his heart, notice the next two words, there is. It's in italics. Now that's for us uneducated, pardon me, us English folks that don't know Hebrew. It's supplied by the translator, of course, so it makes sense. There is no God. But I want you to know there's a premise, there's a precondition. The fool have said in his heart, no, God. He says in the start, no, God. And then he begins to declare to others, he begins to say, the full house said in the start, there is no God. Ronald Reagan is supremely confident, once again, that God does not exist. Well, I am supremely confident for one person, and maybe several more in this room, hopefully, that God does exist. And the God that I'm talking about is the God of the Bible. There's a lot of gods out there, aren't there, today? Gods and goddesses, uh, 
the Palmers were here in the early morning service. Of course, Pastor Palmer left, obviously. For, and, uh, but in India, there's hundreds of thousands of gods. The Muslim has, uh, Islam has God. The Jews have God. The Buddhists have God. The New Agers have all the different versions of God. But I'm talking about the God of the Bible. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Verse number two, or verse number one again, the balance of the verse. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek after God. Romans says it this way, no man seeketh after God. They are all gone another way. They are together becoming unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. It's a reiteration of these verses in front of us here. Verse number four, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. We have a generation that's no longer calling upon the Lord. The nons, the secularists, the non-Christians, the, the anything goes crowd, the new age crowd, the atheist crowd. Well, Ronald Reagan for the last time or maybe he says there is no God and he's not afraid of burning in hell. Well, I say to you this morning here that I know that there is a God, and he's the God of the Bible. And I want to give you as simplistically as I can a very simple message this morning. Three simple summaries why I know that there's a God, and why he's the God of the Bible. First of all, number one, the God of the Bible, he satisfies my intellect. He satisfies my intellect. We are created with... Uh, knowledge and with wisdom. God's put a brain in our heads. And God and God alone is the only complete answer to the, the answer to the universe and all things. For in him we live and move and have our being. How did all this come about? How did everything that we have, our very existence, how are we here? He answers four questions in regards to my, and satisfies my intellect in four ways. First of all, in regards to my origin. My origin. How did I get here? There's only two really, when you boil it down to the lowest common denominators, there's only two possibilities. Either we were, we were created or we evolved. You've got to figure out which, one, which way we came. I gave the illustration when uh, my grew up as a kid, we... We grew up before uh, all kinds of different laws that we have today, of course. You know, we had, uh, you know, cars go to junkyards. Well, guess what? When you lived out in the country in Ohio, you created your own junkyard. We had our old cars, actually, our grandparents' cars. We had woods behind our house, and we would take our tractor, and we would hook up to an old car when it would breathe its last breath and roll it out into the woods. And... Uh, a little kid playing in these cars, these cars with weeds growing up through the floorboards, through the seats, and through the, the, the metal that was rusting and so forth. I mean, they were, they were 1930s to 1940s, 50s cars, whatever they were, and they just dissolved into hardly nothing. I, I was back home like 20, 25 years ago, and I couldn't even find where these cars were. They were that far gone. I want you to know that those old... Uh, uh, Edsels or whatever they were. I don't think we had an Edsel. I think they were the cheapest cars of the day that my grandma and grandpa bought. They didn't, when we went out there 50 years later or 100 years later, they didn't turn into a Mercedes Benz. 
They, things go from a state of order to a state of disorder. You have to, if you're a Ronald Reagan Jr., you have to believe in evolution because you don't believe in God. The odds of evolution occurring by chance are so infinitely small that it is a miracle in itself that such things are still taught as if they are fact in, in our public schools. In a book called A Closer Look at the Evidence by Richard and Tina Kleist, let me read this. They quote from an evolutionist scientist by the name of Harold Moritz, Morowitz. Harold Moore, this scientist, this evolutionist, estimated the probability for chance formation of even the simplest form of living organism, organism at one to the to one-tenth to the 340th thousandth power. Now, if you can't fathom that, don't worry, neither can anybody else in this room, including me. He made it in simpler terms. He said it this way. By comparison, only 10 to the 20th power, that's 10 by followed by 20 zeros, of grains of sand could fit within a cubic mile. And 10 billion times more, or in other words, 10 to the 30th power, would fit inside the entire earth. So the probability of forming a single cell, a speck of grain, now what we're talking about is a speck of sand, if the, uh, the whole earth were filled with nothing but sand, the possibility of forming a simple cell of sand, in other words, by chance processes is infinitely less than likely, less likely than having a blind person select one specifically marked grain of sand out of the entire earth filled with sand. In other words, a blind man would have a better chance of picking up one grain of sand than that a single cell could ever be evolved. In fact, he goes on to admit, this is from an evolutionist, five billion years is nowhere long enough to, for evolution to have taken place. Five billion years. In all reality, and this is from the author of the book now, all of eternity would not provide enough time for random processes to form the enorm enormous complexity of life. I got on the website for uh, evolutionists contradicting the law of probability and chance. And they said creationists and intelligent design people greatly exaggerate the numbers. It's not 10 to the 300th power or whatever you have, the chance for a cell. It's, it's only 10 to the, and they have a maybe 24th power, 10 followed by 24 zeros. They're admitting that the that there's still, it's, you have to believe in blind chance to, to believe in evolution. But there are many people, millions of people in their public schools today, in, in socialism and in atheism in godless countries around the world, we're taught that we evolved over time and they call it science. So I, I say that God alone, he satisfies my intellect in regards to my origin. How did I get here? That he created me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created man. But he satisfies my intelligence not only in my origin, but in my meaning. Why am I here? What's your purpose in life? Some think it's to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The Epicurean lifestyle. Go for all the gusto you get, only go around once in life. Why am I here? Is there a purpose in your life if we're just an evolutionary blob, a mistake of of the cosmos. What's our purpose? There is no purpose. All things are but vain. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. But God has a purpose for your existence. Young people, let me talk to you for a minute. 
God has a divine design for your life. But God gives choice, and you've got to make choices in your life. Life is not a dress rehearsal. You only go around once. You can't, do, you can't, you can't have a do-over on this earthly thing called life. God has a purpose for your life. Atheists believe life has no meaning. Time plus matter plus chance equals an empty life. Those that study history, if you're not a creationist, if you're not a, the, if you're not a biblicist, you don't have any rhyme or reason to history. It's just a bunch of uncoordinated events. But you want to know a great definition of history? History is his story. The continental divide of human destiny is none other than the cross of Calvary. Divides A.D. from B.C., before Christ, after Christ. He is, he's got a purpose in our life. He's got a purpose in all the events that take place. Uh, last week, uh, the preacher Sunday night was mentioning about, uh, Brother Phipps, about uh, the, the, the fact that God, God rules the affairs of men, of course, and he, he has a purpose for America. He had a providential plan for America. He had a providential plan for your life. He has a providential plan for nations. He has a providential plan for the future. Life has meaning. Life has direction. So he satisfied my intellect in regards to my origin. origin pardon me. How did I get here? In regards to my satisfies my intellect in regards to my meaning. Why am I here? Better see. And this is devoid from the Democratic platform today, presidential platform and otherwise as well, I'm afraid. It satisfies my intellect in regards to my morality. The definition of right and wrong. Remember when it used to be in the old days when we, you know, baby out of the womb was uh, sanctified? You know, that, you know, when in the womb it was the rights of the mother, right? It's choice, it still is. But now, just in recent months, in the last year or so, it's, we'll keep, her, we'll keep the child alive and stable until the doctor or the mother makes a decision. We've changed our morals. Whose morality are we going to follow? If life has no meaning, uh, there's no morality, it's subjective. That's what the evolutionist believes. Moral relativity, no, no absolutes, just leads to chaos. If you've ever studied much of World War II, Adolf Hitler, it's estimated to Google how many people did Hitler kill, you come up with a number of 43 million 500,000. 43 and a half million. How many people did Stalin kill? Google that, I already did it for you. The answer is, according to Wikipedia, we can always trust Wikipedia, of course, it's between 3 million and 60 million people. One said, you know, if you kill one person, it's a murder, but if you kill a million, it's a, a statistic. I mean, who's counting? We're in 1 million or 60 million? And who's saying that they're wrong if morality is defined in your own way? Who's saying that what Hitler did was wrong? He's just trying to cleanse the nations of the vermin. Who's saying he's wrong in communism to kill tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people? Who's saying it's wrong? What makes taking your life wrong? Because you think so? Because I think so? What makes homosexuality wrong? Because I think so or you don't think so or whatever? 
What makes these things wrong? Not because I think so, but because the Bible says so. The Word of God is a standard. There's morality between right and wrong. It's defined in God's word. We have a final authority. We're trying to do away with the final authority. America's been going downhill for sure for, since 1962 and 63 when we took prayer out of our public schools by an atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare. And we took Bible reading out of our public schools. We said we can't have the Ten Commandments on our courthouse lawns. We can't ever talk about them in school. We can't put them on the walls. There must be separation, as Reagan Jr. tells us, of church and state. Wrong to begin with, he, and I think he's smart enough to know that he's lying about that, but that's uh, another day, another subject. You see, he satisfies my intellect. How did I know there's God? He satisfies my origin. How did I get here? He satisfies my meaning. Why am I here? He satisfies my morality. Why, why right and wrong? And who defines who, what right and wrong is? And then letter D. He satisfies my intellect and my destiny. What's after death? Who hasn't wondered what happens to me after I die? I remember this little boy wondering that question. When I was a eight-year-old, excuse me, 12 or 13-year-old, Lisa Koskinen was her name, went into the hospital, and to this day, I don't know, I... I was just a child at the time, 11, 12 years old. Lisa went in at 10 years old to the hospital, our county hospital there in Asheville, Ohio. She never came out. She died a couple days later. I remember as a boy thinking, death has no, is not a respect to persons. What happens after you die? Do you just cease to exist? There's so many people who are brazen. So many in regards to this. Well, when I die, I'm just six feet under. What a hope. What an encouragement. Now we don't we even put them six feet under. Now we just box them and bury them and burn them, rather. Just, just, uh, just go back to Mother, Mother Earth, where we came from. But our destiny. The Bible says it is appointed a man once to die. Authoritatively this morning here, every one of us, we're going to die one day, barring the rapture. My dad's sick again. He's going to be operated again on Wednesday. I've had him in heaven five times in the last two years. He keeps pulling through, so maybe he'll pull again through on Wednesday when he has double surgery. But he's going to die one day. The Bible says after this, the judgment. And his eternity is already preset either in heaven or hell, depending on what he did with Christ. And thank God he... He received Christ as his Savior about three years ago now, as many of you know. But my destiny, what happens after death? Think of all the people that just have no idea what happens. So those people that lie to themselves and say, when I die, I die, and I'm dead. That's really comforting. And it's, it's a lie. Well, I know there's a God because he satisfies my intellect. He answers the question as to my origin. He answers the question as to my meaning or my purpose in life. My morality, what's right and what's wrong and who decides it. My destiny, what's after death. But then, secondly, number two, simplistically put, why, why do I believe in God and the God of the Bible? I just simply say it this way, simple, simple faith. He makes sense. 
He makes sense. The evolution, the atheist faith, think about that for a minute. The atheists, they don't want to admit it, but they have a faith. Ronald Reagan Jr., at 12 years old age, he said at his daddy's dinner table, and he, he said, I think I'm an atheist. He decided as a 12-year-old boy, went to those private prep schools, and he decided he was an atheist. And 50-some years later, he still claims to be an atheist and pretty proud about it. The atheist faith, think about it. Nothing times nothing equals everything. Who has more faith? The creationist or the evolutionist? In one sense, evolutionist, I tip my hat. See, I start with someone. I start with a preconceived bias. God times nothing equals everything. You see, we, we admit our, where our faith begins with. The atheist says there is no God. Everything just happened over a period of time. The agnostic faith, does that make sense? You know, the agnosticism has only been around since 1889. Thomas Huxley, an English scientist, is the one that's coined the word. And the word agnostic, of course, from two Greek words, of course, the prefix uh, a, of course, and gnostic or knowledge, means without knowledge. The agnostic says, well, I don't think there's, I'm not saying there isn't a God. I'm not saying there is a God. I just don't know. Huxley coined the phrase and bit on to Darwinism at the time. In 1989, he came, went on all the talk shows of the day. Just kidding. Went to the newspapers and went to the theaters and so forth and became a celebrity as proponent of agnostic faith. Simply unsure. The jury's still out. How long halt you between two opinions, Joshua said. If the Lord be God, serve him. Decide if God's real. Or if he's not, we've not followed cunningly devised fables or science falsely so-called, the Bible says. Our faith has found a resting place. Our, it makes sense to me. I don't buy in the atheist faith. I don't buy the agnostic faith. I buy the Bible faith. He wants us to know him. He said in the very first verse of scripture, we've already alluded to it, I'm sure. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He wants us to know who he is. He wrote a book. He gave his name, Elohim, the self-existent one. In the beginning, God created the earth. And in the first chapter, we see him making man. And, and we, see, we see the love letter starting to unfold. We get to the end of the book of the, 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 the word of God. We get to Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, or the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants... Things which must surely come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. All of Revelation is a, is a revelation. It's an unveiling of things that must surely come to pass in the future. God wants us to know. He wants us to know his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to know God's love letter, the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This love letter. This Bible faith, we were at the fair on three weeks ago. Jaden was there, and, and uh, I think you were there at, the, at 4 o'clock on Sunday, as a matter of fact. In El Targlino, we had a couple walk in, and we got to share the gospel a few hundred times, about 300 times or so, the two-minute version of the Romans Road to Heaven, the wordless book. And we had a couple come in, and Al got a hold.
went to the tent. They, they, they went in for a while, and I don't want to stereotype, but the guy was, he looked intellectual, he had those wire rim glasses, his wife or his, his lady partner, she was a preppy for sure. They were in their early 30s, and they just looked the part. They, looked, they were definitely college-educated. They, they, they just, uh, not, not, nothing wrong with college-educated, that's fine. But uh, they, they looked apart, the and they, they wanted to come in, and they wanted to, they wanted to argue with what they wanted to do. They really, they just were inquisitive in regards to how these strange people had faith in, and they, they started off, and I was eavesdropping as I was preoccupied again with other people and so forth, but every time I could, I was listening in the conversation. They stood, sat, sat there for about a half hour, and Brother Al did a wonderful job with them. But I remember they said something to this effect. They said, well, we believe in science, but you folks believe in faith. We have evidence. You just have rationale or you just have blindism. Well, nothing could be really further from the truth. The Bible says we don't hold to science falsely so called. We've not devised, cunningly devised fables. Our faith is a reasonable faith. The Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Bible is a reasonable book. It's a reasonable faith. It's a logical book. In the beginning, God, God lays it out. He doesn't explain who, how he came about and so forth. And they, they, going back to the couple, they asked the question. One of, their, one of the questions was, well, who created God? Here's the best answer I give to that. No one. He's self-existent. I, I don't, God's always been. You say, that's preconceived bias. Yes, it is. My faith begins with God. Ronald Reagan Jr.'s faith begins with nothing. Who's got more faith? You see, so we see this fact that God, the God of the Bible exists because he satisfies my intellect, my, my or, our origin, our meaning of life, our morality. Why we do what we, what we believe, what's right and what's wrong, and why it's right and wrong, because God says so. My destiny, there's a heaven and a hell. What happens after death is a judgment and then eternity. He makes sense. There's the atheist faith, which really says nothing times nothing equals everything. The agnostic faith, it's just it's simply unsure. You can't know. There's the Bible faith, and that leads me to my third truth. How I know that God exists. I actually know him. Okay, my mom makes the illustration again this morning. Pretty much every week she makes the, 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 uh, an illustration. How many met my mother? How many? My mother's 81 years old. They're only about six hands raised. She hasn't been out here in three years or so. My mom's real. Uh, my, I came from my mother's womb. I don't remember it, but I, I, by faith, I believe I came from her womb. She told me that, and I, I, I see my genetics in her and my dad and so forth. But my mom's real. You've never met my mom. How do you know she's real? You've got to take it by faith. My faith. I'm telling you, mom's real. I actually know my mom, and I, I know her quirks, quirks and idiosyncrasies and I got a lot of it myself. <laughs> it's in me. We're created in his image. I know him for, just simplistically put, four reasons. I know him, first of all, through creation. I've already delineated that. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. 
day in the day out of speech. Hasn't it been beautiful this fall, this, these fall leaves this last couple of weeks here? It's been gorgeous, hasn't it? Who created those leaves? I was going to bring in, I was going to pick 100 leaves. Really, I was going to do this beautiful leaf. It was too lazy. It was raining the other couple of days ago. And I said, oh, it'll be a wet and soggy. And then I said, you guys will all turn them apart. I'll give you everybody a leaf. Just want you to look at those leaves, those oak leaves or those maple leaves that are now falling off the trees and turning different colors. The beauty and the intricacy of that, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think I know it for a fact. They say, I don't know whoever they is, that there's no two snowflakes alike. If there's no two snowflakes alike, I doubt if there's two leaves alike. God created every one of them with his divine design. I look at a leaf, I look at a blade of grass, and I see my God. Romans 1.20 says it this way, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that, that, are, that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I see God through general creation, or general revelation, rather, through his creation. But then, my friend, it's not enough to, to get you saved. That's enough to bring you to the knowledge of salvation, or to bring you to the door of salvation. But you need more than just general revelation, the general revelation of creation. You need... I, I know God not only through his creation, but I know him through his word, through the Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm so glad I chose as a young teenage boy, older teenage to order my steps right by the word of God. I haven't done everything perfect, I promise you that. I've still sinned many, many hundreds of times, many thousands of times for that matter. But I've chosen to live my life by a compass, by a lamp, by the light of life, by the word of God. My two younger brothers, not so much. In fact, not at all. I've seen the path of my life, obviously. I've lived it for the last 60 years. My brothers are coming up on 60 years of age themselves, 58, 57, something like that. They chose a different path. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, he spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There's light in his word, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They mock the things of God. They mock the things of Christ. They mock the things of the word of God. They mock creation in the first chapters of Genesis. That God created the heavens and earth and six days created all the things that are therein. But I know God through the revelation of his creation, through, the, through his word, through the, the pronunciation, the, 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 through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But thirdly, letter C, I know God, I know him through his Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans eight sixteen. I didn't give you that verse, but... His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded. The natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. I'll do this real quickly. I don't want to get too detailed, but you got people that are, are tripartite or believe in... Uh, Okay. tripartite beings and 
uh, I can't get the word out all of a sudden, duality or uh, that man is either body and soul or body, soul, and spirit. And uh, I believe that we're body, soul, and spirit. The Bible teaches that there's three entities, of course. And that spirit, some say before you're saved that your spirit is dead. And I, I, would, I don't disagree with that, of course. But my spirit was made alive in Christ through his Holy Spirit. Amen. And he bears witness in my spirit. And he speaks to me and he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. And the joy we share is we tell you there none other has ever known. And so I know God, I know him personally through his creation or generally through his creation, personally through his word. We're, we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God through his spirit that indwells us when we receive Christ as Savior. And then of course it is culminated in, through the new birth. I know God because once, once upon a time I was born the second time of my first time from my mother and father, my second time from above, from the Spirit of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. I, I know you know the name now, Ronald Reagan Jr. for sure. Do you know the name Michael Reagan? Michael Reagan was the son of March 18, 1945 to Irene Flogger from Los Angeles. She was a single mom. She gave up Michael for adoption. He was adopted by a lady named Jane Wyman, who was a Hollywood actress, who, who married a Hollywood actor by the name of Ronald Reagan. And as they say, the rest is history. Michael Reagan grew up as the adopted son of the, the Reagans. He had a troubled childhood, for the record. Got into drugs early on. He was, he was very public about it. He was molested as a, at camp as a boy for years by a certain counselor. He got messed up, and he, he began to help, hate God and so forth. Make a long story short, one day, Michael Reagan, was, when he got in his 20s, he was he, in a life of drugs and life of uh, problems throughout his life. He came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. He was adopted in the family of God. He wrote the book twice adopted. Adopted once by a human man and woman, and then he was adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. On Wednesday, the, the, the commercial, of course, aired Tuesday night. Michael Reagan went on Newsmax and talked to Hayward. I can't think of his first, first name right now, but went to Newsmax television and Backing up to 2014, Michael said of the first time that the that commercial was aired was on Comedy Central of all places. Now it's on the Democratic National Debate stage. Michael said, I remember having dinner with my father, i.e. President Reagan, with our family. We were having dinner and he, that's Ron, was talking about his atheism at dinner one night and my dad leaned over to me and grabbed my hand and said, my only prayer is that my son becomes a Christian. And that, he, and, that, and that was his prayer, Michael went on to say. He went on to say on Wednesday, just four days ago, he said it was a slap in the face to his father to have Michael Reagan, or rather Ronald Reagan, diss his daddy like that and mock the idea of his savior, his God, and that he would die and go to hell. 
I close with two questions and two statements, if you will. Question number one this morning. Can an average person, even a child, know God? We're in the book of Hebrews, or the book of Psalms this morning. It was written in the Hebrew language. How many know Hebrew? How many can read Hebrew? I didn't think so. The New Testament written in Greek. How many know Greek? You might know a little bit. I have just a working knowledge of Greek, a couple years of Greek, that's all. But can a child, can an uneducated person that only knows one language, can they know God? Can God come to them? I told the story a thousand times in, for 30-second version. When I sat in that second row of that Baptist church in, as an 11-year-old boy at a revival meeting, I said it many times, I didn't even know I was going to a revival meeting. The preacher preached on a hot message on hell. Hell had fire. Hell had brimstone. And I sat there with my Cleveland Indians Wahoo baseball cap on, my little jacket, and the preacher gave the invitation. Church was packed, 100-plus people there in that little country Baptist church. And the invitation was given just as I am without one plea. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior, come forward and get saved. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. I went forward. It wasn't the forward, coming forward that saved me. It wasn't even the fact that the preacher took me back to his back office after the service that saved me. It wasn't the fact that I was in church that saved me. But that day I called upon Christ to save me. I didn't know a lot. I didn't know many things about doctrine. I didn't know that God was, Jesus was God. I just know that God had a son, his name was Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. I asked Christ to come to my heart. I don't have a Harvard education, you can all tell that. I don't have a, a 70 degrees behind my name. I'm not just an average Joe, the average country kid that grew up and trying to do the best he can. But I want you to know that that day I received Christ as my Savior. And I want you to know that I am no longer afraid of going to hell. I was afraid. You should be afraid of going to hell if you've never received Christ as your Savior. But I know whom I have believed in. I know I'm on my way to heaven now. I know I don't deserve it. It's all by grace. One question I've always asked is, is why? Why would God save a wretch like me? You ask yourself that question. I no longer, I think in answer to the first question, can an average person, can a child know God? I know him. He saved me. But then I ask a second question. Is it possible, beyond any shadow of a doubt, is it possible with any shadow of a doubt to, with confidence, supreme confidence, like Ronald Reagan Jr. in a converse way, that you know for sure that you can go to heaven when you die? The answer, according to the word of God, is yes, it is. 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. I now know when I die, I'm going to heaven. 
forever, to live forever with my God. I know that for a fact. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I did it by simple faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Take your pick. And we end with this. Take your pick. You can be an unabashed atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. You can say, I just evolved over millions of years and religion is a big crock, especially that Christianity. Or you can say, I believe God. God satisfies my intellect. He makes sense to me. And I'd like to know him. And he, he's given his son that we may know him. Paul said it this way, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We've got one life to live for Christ. Let's make it count for the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, you've commanded us to trust you. That requires faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please you. Lord, maybe there's someone here today and needs to put their faith and trust. They're finished their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. I pray you'd speak to their heart. Lord, some would pray, have mercy on Ronald Reagan Jr.'s soul. Lord, certainly I pray for his salvation. I know his dad prayed for his salvation for many years. He's been gone in heaven for many years now. Lord, if he doesn't repent, he, he shall definitely perish. You know, go to that place that he says doesn't exist. But Lord, we thank you that there's salvation in Christ. Have your will and way in our midst, dear God, we pray. Lord, Holy Spirit of God, if there be someone who needs to be saved today, Lord, save them this day, we pray. Bless and pray in Christians, Lord, work in Christian hearts as well, we ask. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 163, as we stand together, 163. Only trust him, only trust him.